Blog Talk Radio. <coughs> Welcome to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis. I'm on loan from God for the next two hours. You'll pay homage to me. I will guide you through this crazy world of sports, and it cannot get any crazier than it does this time of year. Come on. Can we all agree that this is the third Christmas? You've got Christmas. You've got the Indianapolis 500. And you've got March Madness, and we've been opening up presents since noon on Thursday, and we're going to continue to open them up all weekend long, next weekend, and even the following weekend. It is called March Madness for a reason. We're going to break down all of the games, all of the scenarios. Uh, We're standing by for Matthew Embry of WSVT in, in South Bend is going to help us break down these games as well as IndyCar. Tyson Lautenschlager up in, from up in Toronto, Canada gives us a call. We're going to be breaking down the uh, IndyCar race in Austin at the Formula One track. First time they've been there. Exciting to see how that's going to pan out. And yes, we get to say the Indianapolis 500 one more time as we get moving closer uh, to that infamous date in the month of May. Also at uh, at the uh, at the bottom at the top of the next hour. I'm sorry, I'm getting my hours all confused. Uh, I'm dazed and confused. Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, joins us and helps us break down some NASCAR action. And then we'll back into the madness with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, he joins us. And uh, we're going to be breaking down today's action as well. So stick around. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. 917-889-8516 is my digits. We'll be right back. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country. 
but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Presidente, my minions, welcome aboard. It is March Madness time. Joining us now is our, we're just going to call him our official balance contributor because he talks to us about college football, college basketball, IndyCar, sometimes some NASCAR, uh, what have you. Matthew Embry, WSVT up in South Bend. How is you, sir? Uh, still waking up uh, late shift last night. I think the NCAA radio broadcast didn't end until uh, 5, 2 a.m. Uh, this morning. Hey, I tell you what, that's what that's what it's all about. March oh, yeah, Madness. I'm lying, down, I'm lying down in bed as we speak right now, trying to get an extra sleep in before my shift uh, later this, this morning. <laughs> TMI, bro. TMI. But thank you for uh, uh, taking some time to give us a, a, a call Hey, uh, you know, first of all, we have to publicly shame you for not joining the official balance 
uh, bracket group, but that's okay. How are your brackets doing, sir? I picked the two twelve game winners. I picked the one that didn't go the way. I picked New Mexico State. I didn't pick the uh, Liberty win. Um, didn't pick UC Irvine. Uh, all my teams have stayed intact. But uh, more importantly, though, right now at this point, uh, what we saw, I think, uh, yesterday, I think the question has to be asked, uh, are the ACC teams vulnerable? Because uh, the first time in history of the NCAA tournament, according to Jason Horowitz of Westwood One, uh, that two teams, two one seeds, have trailed at the half uh, in the same day in an NCAA tournament game to a 16 seed. Now, granted, I don't say think that's a disastrous thing because, uh, for instance, North Carolina in 1997, uh, the same team that trailed to my memory right here, Iona yesterday. Uh, did the same thing against Fairfield in 97, came back, won that game, and got to the Final Four before they lost to eventual champion Arizona. So uh, there has been precedent of this, the team's bouncing back. But uh, i got to say, looking ahead to Gabe's uh, North Carolina-Washington, Duke-UCF, and uh, Virginia-Oklahoma on Sunday, I think you have three ACC teams that are certainly vulnerable and possibly could be in the way of an upset uh, coming up uh, Sunday afternoon or evening. Well, let's talk about some of the big upsets that we saw and the upsets that almost happened that didn't happen, and certainly uh, uh, ones that we, we thought, whoa, that's a little bit too close for comfort. Uh, we'll start up in your neck of the woods, Michigan State. Tom Izzo pulling a Bobby Knight. Totally upset with his freshman, uh, but nonetheless still pulled off a win. That was a little bit too close for comfort. How do they bounce back today? Well, it shows that the Missouri Valley can certainly get up to the tournament. I mean, prior to that loss, Bradley suffered to Michigan State. I think that the last several tournaments, they were 9-0 and in first-round games. So, uh, certainly, you knew it was going to be a factor. It would uh, be interesting to see, though, what uh, kind of output he gets uh, from a Minnesota team that they handily beat uh, in the Big Ten ch- tournament uh, a weekend ago in Chicago. It uh, should be very interesting to see how they bounce back. I don't think they will lose this game to Minnesota, a team that uh, came on strong late, but I think is still a step behind uh, the top teams in the Big Ten. But uh, that'll be an interesting game to see how they bounce back tonight, especially for the Spartans, because uh, they have another lackluster performance. I think they are certainly vulnerable against a team like Maryland or LSU, whoever advances out of that uh, game in Jacksonville, uh, the first game out of the box, blocks uh, today. Well, it's going to be exciting to, as we get into today's action. I think things are going to start uh, weeding themselves out, if you will, and we're going to uh, continue this conversation till uh, the 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 till nine thirty here uh, local time here, and then we're going to be joined by Tyson Lautenschlager as well. We'll be talking some IndyCar and then some NASCAR, and then back into the March Madness. So let's try to get through these. We'll start over in uh, on the left side of your bracket, if you will, or the or the. Uh, uh, whatever title you want to give it, but the left side of your bracket with Duke. We'll start with Duke yesterday. Obviously, uh, two Duke freshmen uh, making sure that Duke wasn't a 16-1 upset. But let's talk about what we saw at the beginning of that game. I was never really worried, but there was some double takes when I'm looking at this game last night. Duke started off really slow. 
Now that's okay when you got a team uh, when you got a, t- a team like North Dakota State, but North Dakota State gave them everything they had and almost took them down. I don't believe for a minute that Duke is unstoppable. Although in one of my brackets, I do have them going all the way to be the winner, just because hey, it's the cool thing to do. But now they 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 uh, face UCF. UCF uh, really had a good game against VCU. You know, one could say UCF could. could <laughs> take Duke down, but nonetheless, if we, if my bracket holds in place, my number one bracket, which by the way, let me selfless plug, I'm number one in the balance uh, bracket group, but if my bracket stays in, intact, uh, Duke will be meeting uh, Virginia Tech, and by all means, Virginia Tech can beat Duke, so let's talk a little bit about what we saw, did we see some warning signs or some things to come with Duke here in the tournament? Well, I think we made it clear Duke is not a perimeter team because uh, North Dakota State played a zone defense against them, and Duke had their trouble hitting the outside shot. I'm going to be very curious to see how Duke gets inside against uh, UCF's uh, seven foot six center uh, Taco Fall. Uh, be very interesting to see. Now, granted, he's not a mobile center like some of the other taller players we see, like Chris uh, Matt Harms, for instance, for Purdue. But uh, it's going to be a factor right now, and. Uh, the other thing I also saw is uh, I'm not so sure Zion Williams is back to 100%. It looked like he was still favoring his left leg in that first half, at least, from the game that parts of the game that I saw. So uh, I think Duke will find a way to win this game, but uh, they will have their problems with UCF uh, tomorrow afternoon. Well, absolutely. And you got to look at, you know, if you looked at the beginning of the game, you uh, uh, with with Duke, I mean Zion came out on one of those little wheeler things, you know, where you, where you keep your your leg propped up and you wheel, and so that tells you he's not to a hundred percent where he's at. Here we here is um, because of my know it all knowledge that I have, I picked the <laughs> I picked the upset with uh, Liberty over Mississippi State. Liberty Liberty wins, and obviously they uh, they go against uh, Virginia Tech, which is going to be a handful for for them. Uh, obviously not getting past that point, but let's talk a little bit about the win Liberty got over Mississippi State. It's a mix of Liberty getting strong late, but I think Mississippi State gave that game away. Uh, they had the game in control. They Got very careless with the basketball. Liberty made some key shots down the stretch. And uh, luck rode with them in that uh, last little bit. But uh, I think that lost game is more on Mississippi State giving the game away than Liberty winning it. Now, granted, I think they're going to have another test against Virginia Tech, which I think they could certainly win. But uh, they're going to need to do a little more in terms of trying to win the game as opposed to what happened last night uh, if they're going to find a way to get by the Hokies. Well, you know, here, here's the problem. If they, if they do get by the Hokies, there's, I don't see there's any way they can get uh, past Duke. So that kind of will uh, make the road a little bit easier for, for the Blue Devils. Let's talk about this Maryland-Belmont game. I was one that chose Maryland in, it, in one of my brackets, the one that I'm superior in. But other brackets, I chose Belmont for a very good reason. Uh, they are a very good team, and they are hidden underneath the radar. Belmont <laughs> – Almost took it away from uh, the, the Turpins. Uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, Belmont-Maryland game? Well, Bel- well, actually, it's the first time, believe it or not, in the history of the first four era that a team advancing out of the first four has not won a first-round game. Uh, that's the first time uh, that's happened, believe it or not. Belmont uh, had their chance to win this ball game, and I think uh, you look at that matchup next for Maryland against LSU, another team that looked vulnerable against Yale. Uh, again, the bottom half of this draw just looks 
week, in my opinion. I mean, uh, Maryland and LSU, I don't think are teams that are capable of playing with a Duke. And based on what we saw against Brother, I think Michigan State certainly is too hot and cold uh, to do it. And I think, granted, they'll struggle against Minnesota. They'll win that game. But even if they get to Washington, D.C., have a chance to beat Duke, I just don't think this is the team, at least based on the performances I've seen recently, that could hold a candle to Duke. And uh, I think if you're looking at a Final Four right now, if Duke's not included in it, uh, you have, you're a little bit cuckoo crazy, in my opinion, because uh, this right now, I think, is the team to beat uh, in this tournament. And granted, of course, I said that about Virginia last year. It didn't work out that way. But I think uh, the path is a lot fresher for Duke, even if their team is not necessarily at 100%. Let's talk a little bit about LSU and Yale. That was where I was kind of looking for an upset. Didn't know. Sometimes you just got to roll the dice. I did pick Yale in this particular bracket that I'm referring to for the show purposes, uh, but I I, uh, split the ticket because I had LSU and other brackets. Uh, But uh, Yale, uh, LSU, what are your thoughts? You do. LSU is going to be questionable considering uh, Will Wade has been is still not with the team, the head coach, uh, because of the FBI investigation, possible NCAA sanctions involving that. Uh, the team's got talent. It's just could they put it all together? And I just don't think they could do it uh, today uh, when it comes down to Maryland. Now, granted, I don't think Maryland is the strongest team at the bottom half of that draw, granted, necessarily, but. Uh, I think in this scenario, Maryland finds a way to win, and I think MSU does likewise against the Minnesota team that, yeah, had a great strong run, but uh, certainly I think took advantage of a very uh, mistake-prone Louisville team to get to where they are in the tournament at this point. I think it was more Louisville giving playing poorly as opposed to Minnesota winning that uh, contest, even though Minnesota did put up 88 points in the victory uh, on Thursday. Louisville, Minnesota. Minnesota obviously coached by Coach Patino's son, Pedigree, uh, when it comes to coaching uh, goes. But Minnesota Golden Gophers have earned the right where they're at. And I, I tell you what, I was kind of like thought, man, what a, what a slap in the face to match up Minnesota and Louisville. Uh, but it is what it is. But at the same time, I, 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 that was where I went wrong at. Uh, and I've got red all the way up to the, to the, uh, uh, elite eight uh, with Louisville. I, I picked him to take a ride. So we got Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota now takes on Michigan State. Man, Bradley gave Michigan State all their worth. And we know Michigan State. We've watched him long enough to know that, that Tom Izzo is going to make the adjustments that he needs to, to make. But we, we've got a matchup today of, of two great coaches, Coach Patino and Coach Tom Izzo, both Big Ten matchups. This is huge. Talk with us about to, uh, the game, Michigan State and Minnesota. I think right now it's going to be a no contest. Uh, Michigan State, I think, will get the message right now. In fact, you have players uh, on the ESPN.com that are defending their coach for his outbursts uh, during that uh, performance against Bradley. I think they'll get the message. I think you'll see a much uh, more focused performance today for Michigan State than you did against Bradley. I just, just don't think Minnesota really has much of a chance uh, to get the job done in this matchup. That's not to say Minnesota's a bad team, but I just don't think they match up well against a Michigan State team that's going to be out to prove something and prove they are still a, uh, in the Sunday State Blade tournament with the remaining rounds. Let's talk a little bit about that action that you're referring to, and, and you certainly hear a lot more local activity around that. We make jokes, of, hey, pull the Bobby Knight. Uh, but at the same time, he was clearly honked off at, at the freshman. For, I, think, I believe I believe it was a traveling call. But either which way, it was a very close game. Could have cost him the game. Could have cost him the tournament. He had every right to be upset. 
But I think kind of the way that he went about it may have been we're we're in 2019. It's it's like the uh, don't get in my face mode. What are your thoughts about how Tom Izzo handled that situation with the freshman? I'm sorry, his name escapes me, uh, but it's certainly been getting a lot of a national attention and a lot of national buzz about old school coaches and about old school coaching styles. Well, he didn't shove him or didn't push him. As long as it didn't get to that point where he got physically altercated, I like Bob that give a deal read. I, therefore, about it the necessary at that being too bad a thing. Granted, that's what Brian Kelly does at Notre Dame sideline sometimes. So it's nothing out of the ordinary. Now, if he get, got physical with them, then I would have said, yeah, I would have had a problem with it. But I didn't see any issues there. It's just a frustrated coach saying, hey, we don't want to be negative history because you lose a game like that where you're a two seed, you lose to a 15, which has only happened, I think, like seven or eight times. That lives with you for the rest of life, and you are remembered for that. So I think we're out of sympathy of them doing that, but it didn't get physical, so therefore I don't have as big a problem as some people did. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm sure they've they've uh, he's learned his lesson, and he knows. Uh, hey, don't get on Tom as those bad sides. Let's get get on to, down to the next bracket. Gonzaga Bulldogs. We've talked about them. Uh, I've got them picked uh, to go uh, into the Final Four in this particular bracket bracket that we're making references to. I know a lot of people have been watching the brackets and studying the brackets of people in our group. A lot of people have Gonzaga going for the ride. They they, they had no problem in the first round. Gonzaga Bulldogs. We have. Uh, uh, they're no stranger to us in, in the month of, of March, uh, but the Bulldogs are now going to be facing Baylor. And, uh, wow, that was a, a touch and go there with Syracuse. You, didn't, you never really know when you got those eight and nine seed matchups. So uh, talk with us a little bit about uh, Gonzaga and, well, now Baylor, uh, the Baylor Bears. I think Gonzaga right now wins this game. Uh, Syracuse. I think was the better team in that matchup against Baylor, and they just didn't show it on Thursday. Uh, you look at the scenarios right now for Gonzaga, I think the big concern for them when they head to Anaheim next week is uh, trying to win that uh, Sweet 16 game because you have a Murray State team in John Morant who looks very, very potent, or the first triple-double, and you also have a Florida State team that also uh, can fill up the basket. So uh, even though they had their problems with Vermont, I expect a big bounce back from them. Uh, that should be a very interesting uh, evening matchup uh, in Hartford uh, later this evening between two teams. I think that uh, certainly I think are more than capable of knocking Gonzaga out of the tournament uh, next week at Anaheim. Let's talk about this huge game. Uh, Murray totally schooled Marquette. No pun intended. A lot of people don't even know what the heck is a Murray State Murray State racer. They're in the state of Kentucky. I know that because I grew up down in God's country down there. So yeah, that's Virginia. kind of my area of, of the world. Uh, but Murray State racers, we remember them from a few years ago. They did well in the tournament. Uh, I, those of us that follow basketball uh, know who Murray State is. But, my God, they showed up. Marquette did not show up. Marquette number five team. Uh, num- number five seed, which, by the way, just totally irks my my you-know-what to see Marquette in there. IU beats them uh, early on in the season. IU number one seed in the NIT. Sorry, I digress, but we should have been there. That was a we-should-have-been-there moment. But Marquette and, and Murray State, Murray State just totally dominates uh, Marquette. What are your thoughts? I don't think Marquette was overseeded. I think actually they were underseeded. They just had a bad run late. I think that knocked into the five line. Uh, Murray State, it's just like when they had Isaiah Cannon. They have one player in there in John Morant that uh, is 
very impressive, very uh, very exciting to watch, and very effective. And I'll be very curious to see what Florida State Leonard Hamilton do to keep them uh, in check. Uh, we need to pick up the pace here a little bit since we only got seven minutes until uh, the bottom of the hour. So let's get through right. you know, some of these other ones here. Uh, Go ahead, Texas sir. Tech Buffalo tomorrow. Uh, you look at that matchup. I think Buffalo got took advantage of a very average Arizona State team yesterday in Tulsa. So I still think we haven't seen a real test from them. Texas Tech, I think, is the better team in that matchup. They'll find a way to get there. That's why I have Texas Tech going all the way to uh, Minneapolis in the Final Four. Florida's a great story. They have a lot of momentum right now. I think they will give uh, Michigan a scare uh, today. I just don't know if it's going to be enough for them to get through that matchup. I have Michigan winning that. And then uh, you look at the South draw. Uh, that, Like I said, uh, that Virginia-Oklahoma game, Virginia is vulnerable. I think that's going to be a very vulnerable game for them. And even if they get to Louisville, I still think they're going to have a problem with either Oregon or a UC Irvine team that still, I think, is under the radar for most people. And uh, then the big question in my mind is, could Villanova or Purdue find a way past someone other than Carson Edwards has to step forward? Uh, we saw, you know, glimmer of that for Grady Eifert, but you can't expect necessarily Grady Eifert to be the guy. Be very curious to see what uh, factor Dojel Eastern has since he supposedly will be available for this game for Matt Painter. Uh, but uh, I think that's a game where Purdue's run, unfortunately, comes to a dead at the hands of Villanova today. And then the other matchup, uh, big opportunity lost for Cincinnati yesterday. They should have won that game against Iowa. Uh, it gives a much easier opponent for a Tennessee team. Granted, looked a little bit sluggish themselves against Colgate. But I think in Columbus uh, tomorrow, Tennessee finds a way to win that. And then and the remaining games, like I said, UNC also fought over against the Washington team, I think the Pac-12 is not getting the respect they deserve. Uh, Washington beat a very strong Utah State team yesterday handily. And then uh, I think the winner of that game uh, certainly has a chance to get to the Elite Eight because I don't think I've seen anything positive from, granted, either Auburn or Kansas in that draw for that matchup later tonight. Uh, I don't think there's a strong team between Auburn and Kansas uh, between those two. And then you look at the bottom half, uh, Ohio State, Houston, uh, teams I still have question marks on. And uh, I think the match I think a lot of people are looking forward to, uh, seeing what uh, this uh, Francis McGee and Wofford could do, if they could find a way past Kentucky. Uh, if Wofford finds a way past Kentucky, uh, I think this is going to be wide open. You could see a very unexpected uh, Final Four candidate uh, for the Midwest region. That happens. That's going to be a bracket buster. Not really for me. Well, I, I kind of had them going to the the Elite Eight, uh, Kentucky. But if Walford, I, I, I mean, we saw what they did against Seton Hall. Was that that was probably one of the biggest upsets of the, of the weekend of the of the week so far. Uh, the thing is, you're Tom, absolutely right. They can't up today. Wofford cannot have a scoreless drought of eight minutes like they had against Seton Hall because they had that game in control and they let Seton Hall back in. Granted, they regained control of it. But they cannot afford to do that against Kentucky. If they do that against Kentucky today, they will get buried. We'll talk real quickly while we still got a couple more minutes about our own perspective, uh, Final Four and Championship. Uh, just, again, re- referring back to the bracket that I'm referring to because it happens to be number one in the balance uh, uh, group, so it happens to be dominated and superior right now. So this is what we're making for the reference. Uh, but I've got Virginia Tech, Gonzaga, uh, and then Virginia and Auburn and uh, – in the championship, I got Gonzaga and Virginia, and Virginia winning. What are your thoughts? 
went a little more conservative on my route. Uh, went with Duke winning in the East. I just think they have a little bit too much, even with uh, Zion Williamson not at 100%. They could find a way past uh, Taco Fall and uh, UCF on Sunday. I like their chances to get the rest of the way because the rest of the group in there just looks iffy at best. And uh, granted, uh, Texas Tech under the radar, but I think they're the team to be in the West right now. I think they'll find a way to get by Michigan or Gonzaga or both if they have to. Uh, in the South, I, I, Tennessee did look poor against Colgate, but I think considering who is left at the draw, if they can find a way past Villanova, I think they can certainly find a way past the pack defense at Virginia if that's who they have to deal with uh, in the regional final in Louisville. And then looking in the Midwest, uh, I got to go with Kentucky. Uh, Wofford, I think, is a tough team in their way, but if they can find a way past Wofford, uh, considering how sluggish UNC looked and considering the, not too much with Auburn, Kansas or Ohio State and Houston at this point. I think it could be a free ride for Kentucky. And then for the championship game, I think Duke finds a way to get past Kentucky uh, in the championship game in Minneapolis on April the 8th. We're talking with Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend. So March Madness action, what's going on? A lot of action going on today. We're going to be getting uh, back into that uh, toward the end of the show as I'm hoping to be a sports show. But we're going to branch off into some uh, racing here. Just remember, we're going to take a break here in a moment. We'll get into some racing. IndyCar in Austin at the Formula One race, uh, as we remember when Formula One was here in Indianapolis. So certainly Formula One coming to uh, the United States is always fun to watch, uh, but this is the first time that IndyCar has been out at the Circuit of Americas. My name is Al Mark Vassell, Presidente. We'll be right back. Tyson Lutzeiger also will be joining us, and we're going to get into some Indy talk, IndyCar talk right here on the Balance Radio Network. <laughs> Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. 
see live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even about All right, and welcome back to the Bellas. My name is Tom Mark Marcel, President. A half hour in the books. March Madness talk. March Madness underway. Myself, Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend. We're going to continue the uh, March Madness talk uh, here after our racing segment towards the bottom of the hour. I'm the BS Sports Show. We'll be breaking down all the action of what's going on in uh, March Madness and the brackets and the bracket busting and all that. But right now, we're going to start our IndyCar talk. Tyson Lautenschlager calling us from up in Canada from onpitroad.com. And uh, continuing on with Matthew Embry, uh, balance contributor for IndyCar as well, our official IndyCar uh, contributor. Uh, so let's uh, start right in with Tyson. First of all, how are you doing on this? Well, if you're in the United States, March Madness weekend. <laughs> I'm doing well for me, not March Madness weekend. It's just not my thing, but uh, ready to talk some IndyCar. Let's talk some IndyCar, guys. They're in uh, Austin. Uh, if you will, and the Formula One track, uh, cir- uh, Circuit of the Americas, I believe I got that right. Matthew, talk with us a little I know you are very familiar and follow uh, and write about and report and, and talk about Formula One more than e- either the two of us put together. So talk with us a little bit about this track and how it's developed for IndyCar. Well, it's very technical. There's quite, no question about it. Uh, it's more of the, you know, a mix of you know slow medium fast turns uh fast cades uh, a lot of uh, loops around where you could really uh, carry a lot of speed and a lot of places where you could overtake so uh, certainly i don't think where a car is going to have a advantage to go to play i think it comes down to you know driving talent and that's why you see uh, guys like scott dixon and will power to the top of the timing charts uh after yesterday be interested to see how that backs up. Uh, certainly, uh, for guys that need a good qualifying run that didn't take advantage of qualifying uh, in St. Pete and really hurt themselves, had a lot of work to do. And then uh, you got another handful of guys like uh, Felix Rosenquist. Uh, can he continue momentum? I mean, he is right up there in practice, uh, right behind Power. 
and uh, a few of the other ones like Pagano and, uh, you know, Ed Jones. Uh, Ed Jones, maybe not 100% because of the fractured hand he suffered at St. Pete, but uh, certainly for a guy like Simon Pagano, who has had a very uh, lackluster last season and a half with Penske, uh, he's certainly a guy that I think that could really use a good result as we draw closer to the 103rd uh, Indianapolis 500. Boy, that sounds good. Let me tell you what. Uh, Tyson, let's talk a little bit about a new rule that uh, ahead of this weekend's IndyCar Classic, the series first race at the Circuit of America series officials have decided to allow drivers to use the runoff area exiting turn 19 in order to reduce track limit controversies. What are your thoughts? Well, I think any time that we can kind of get away from a track limit controversy is a good thing because uh, we see this come into play every now and then. And sometimes the, the, the call gets made right away and sometimes it doesn't. And there can be a, a lot of um, uh, disappointment from fans and teams alike. So whenever we can kind of get away from that, it's a good thing. We've seen issues uh, like this in the past where it's kind of a gray area. So uh, hopefully this can improve uh, the weekend and, and we don't have to worry about some uh, some calls that are, are kind of, like I said, in a gray area. In the gray area. There's always that gray area that nobody seems to be able to get an answer for. Uh, let's talk, um, uh, Matthew, that uh, if, you're, if you're a crew chief uh, with IndyCar this week at the, the Circuit of Americas, one of the things you've got to be concerned about is tire management. Well, that track is going to be very, very hard on IndyCar uh, tires. How does the crew chiefs go about getting ready for this race, and how do they manage their tires at this particular track? Matthew, did we lose Matthew? Uh, somehow he got popped on mute. Sorry about yeah, that. I'm right here. Go ahead. Yeah, Go I, ahead. I had you on mute my by cell accident. phone burned out. I had to get on a landline. So could you repeat the question? Oh, okay. Uh, we'll, start, we'll start the question over. I said, uh, this track, Circuit of Americas, uh, is going to be very hard on tires. If you're a crew chief of this weekend of Indy, IndyCar, how do you go about managing your tires at this track? Well, I think it could be the same way we saw it at St. Pete, uh, Ty, where guys are starting the race on reds and taking the reds off right away, pitting early. Uh, this, If this is a hard track on tires, uh, certainly I don't think the reds are going to last uh, more than maybe three or four laps, especially with the length of this circuit layout. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot of short pitting early, guys starting on reds and then getting off the reds and going back to blacks. Now, granted, uh, going on the reds, I think, was part of the thing that helped Joseph Garten Newgarden win the race a couple weeks ago at St. Pete, but uh, it's a very risky move, and if you get caught in traffic or you have just a place where the setup isn't well, uh, you certainly get yourself in trouble with those. So I think you'll see uh, them be helpful and qualify, but once we get to a race day, I think you're going to see a lot of guys start on them, but they're going to be trying to get those reds off and get back to the blacks uh, just to meet the requirement of running the reds during the race for at least a step. But uh, beyond that, uh, the red tires, I think, once again, are not going to be as key a factor uh, as to the outcome of the race, uh, even though you may see someone draw, roll the dice, but I don't know if they'll be as successful as Newgarden was uh, at St. Pete this past week or a couple weeks ago. Tyson, what are your thoughts on the tires? I mean, I mean, we always talk about the tires. That's always an issue. Uh, but at this track particularly, uh, the worry is that this track will eat up tires very, very quickly. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree kind of with what, what Matt said there because we, we see – Obviously, this is our first time racing at Coda, 
and uh, there is a lot of unknown as far as tires go, but this is a track that I think because of the size of it and the uh, the amount of, of chance for overtaking and just the, the way that the track can wear out tires, we're going to see that play a part quite a bit in this race. Um, I think the red tires, they're, the advantage that they have is they are really fast and they're a lot faster than the blacks for at least those first few laps. But once they start wearing out, you're going to want to get off them right away. So I think we see uh, kind of the same thing that Matt was saying. We're going to see drivers run the, the reds on the opening stint of the race, probably run about a maximum of five or six laps just so they can get that stint in <coughs> by the rules. You have to run both sets of tires for at least uh, two or three laps. So they're going to get off those reds pretty quick and get on the blacks. And then everybody's going to be on uh, equal playing ground. I don't, uh, as Matt said, I don't think we're going to see anyone try to take that strategy that Joseph Newgarden somehow employed and won with at St. Pete. Uh, because that was a strategy that no one else was really looking at, and I don't think anyone thought it was going to work, and it did end up working. Um, But I don't see that working at Circuit of the Americas. It's just too different of a track, especially with the the fact that these teams haven't raced here before. And speaking of that, you mentioned the strategy backfiring. You wonder, uh, where is uh, people's minds toward Marco Andretti? Because he certainly... He was uh, competitive, but unfortunately, Ty, he was not necessarily competitive in a way I think that made many people very happy with him, especially those challenging for the win uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. He was kind of getting in the way of everybody. It didn't It didn't matter who you were. He, it seemed like he was getting in the way, uh, whether he was trying to stay on the lead lap or, or um, trying to pass the leaders who were uh, you know, running second, third, or fourth. So he was definitely in the way, and I don't think we'll see that be a problem, especially with uh, with Coda being uh, quite a bit of a wider track. I don't think we'll see that be as much of a problem this weekend. We're talking with Tyson Lutzeiger, bombpitroad.com, calls us up from uh, the Toronto, Canada area. Uh, Matthew Embry, WSBT in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor and just an uh, all-around balanced contributor. Tyson, you know, if there's one driver that comes to mind uh, when you – you say that can and will succeed at this track, and he's already proven it, and that's Will Power. This has got Will Power written all over it. Yeah, this is really a track that kind of suits uh, Will Power's um, aggressiveness and, and the fact that this is a track where speed is going to be a, a big factor. You can't really hide on a track like this that's so big and so open. Uh, we have a lot of long flowing uh, straightaways, and I think that's really going to be a, a benefactor for willpower. Guys like him and uh, uh, Scott Dixon, Alexander Rossi, who I feel like is going to have a really strong weekend, having a little bit of past experience here in Formula One. Uh, these are the guys that you got to watch out for this weekend. Matthew, let's uh, just kind of digress just a little bit. We, we got some news this week that Dan Weldon was elected to the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway Hall of Fame. First of all, what an honor. Second of all, couldn't have happened to a, a better person. Remember Dan Weldon, obviously, uh, we lost him well, way, way too early, way too early at a tragic event in Las Vegas. But what are your thoughts, Matthew? Dan Weldon elected to the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame. Guy that won two Indy 500s, and I think had he gotten, uh, it was still around. He may have won a third or a fourth, just like Dario did, but uh uh, very solid driver, certainly, and was always a contender and uh, was a thinking man's driver. was able to get a little extra car, kind of like than most could, kind of like what Will Power does today. 
and uh, I think a well-earned uh, honor. I'm just surprised uh, that it took, uh, you know, eight years beyond his uh, passing for them to uh, induct him into the Hall of Fame. Matthew, Alonzo uh, IndyCar uh, is going to return for the Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, Alonzo uh, coming to IndyCar, we, we, we might see some signs. I don't know if we – Tyson, feel free to chime in on this also, but maybe we're starting to see some uh, reading into the tea leaves. He doesn't have to, to run full-time. He certainly doesn't need it monetarily-wise. But are we going to see a full-time ride for Fernando Alonzo? Fernando Alonzo, sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to get in trouble with this, but I'm still not convinced it's going to happen until I see it. Uh, there's just a lot of things that are going to need to be done here uh, as far as making sure the money's right, the situation's right, because remember, uh, both, even during the Formula One season, uh, Alonso is used to spending majority of his time in Spain, uh, getting used to the U.S. Uh, culture you know, on a full-time basis. That could be a tough learning curve sometimes for some of these guys. So... Uh, I think the situation just has to be right, uh, whether it fits uh, with a Petsky or somewhat. Uh, the question is, uh, can he re, you know, establish, you know, some a semblance of, you know, civility with Honda or the new manufacturer that supposedly joins in 2021? Uh, right now, uh, the situation is, uh, with, unless he could mend the fences with Honda, the options are Chevrolet, but beyond Penske, and maybe uh, Ed Carpenter Racing, there really isn't a Chevrolet team out there that I think is worthy of his services at this point. So uh, maybe until, you know, the 2021 season when the third manufacturer comes, I don't see a scenario unless he can mend fences with Honda where uh, he is in really a position where a full-time ride is out there that I think that we would take at this point. Tyson, what are your thoughts on Fernando Alonso? Well, I really don't think Alonso's really looking for a full-time ride either. I don't think this is something that's really in his, uh, in his, in the back of his mind that he's really been wanting. Uh, I think we're seeing Alonso really trying to just run all the big races, and the Indy 500 is one of those. Um, but I don't think a race like St. Pete or uh, Barber Motorsports Park, I don't think those are the big races that Alonso really wants to run. Well, I think it'd be great for IndyCar if he if he did run uh, the series on a full time basis. I just don't see it happening. Um, and I think the thing with Alonso is he kind of he's in control of of what he wants. And if IndyCar is a full time ride and that's what he wants, he's going to get it. And that means he's going to make sure he's going to go after it with a big team. He's not going to go run for AJ Foyt Racing or or you know, Carlin Racing. He's going to get a big name behind him. And is, are there really seats open? I don't think so. Um, so, no, I, I don't see Alonso running full-time in, in 2020 or 2021. I think we're going to see him, you know, do the Indy 500 this year, maybe do it again next year, maybe the year after that. But beyond that, I don't think we see uh, Alonso running any other F1, or, uh, IndyCar races. Tyson Coda is saying, hey, if you win the poll, we're going to give you an extra $100,000. Uh, one would say, logically, if you're just to use your gut feeling and your intuition, that that would go to Will Power and Team Penske. Uh, certainly Team Penske, the, the biggest, strongest uh, guy on the track and the biggest, strongest stable out there in IndyCar right now uh, with the power and New Garden and all the might that they've got behind them. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts? Well, let's, let's walk through the qualifying process uh, at uh, Coda. To, uh, Tyson, and who do you think ends up with that hundred thousand dollars? 
Well, yeah, this was um, a really interesting announcement that they made. Uh, I guess it was uh, probably Thursday that they made this announcement. And when when I heard this, I kind of didn't really get it because to me, a $100,000 bonus, like, yeah, that's really cool, but they're almost making it too easy. I mean, to win from the pole, that's the easiest place to win a race from, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if they want to, they want to make this interesting, you know, make the stakes interesting is have the person that starts last get, and if they can win, they get the bonus or somebody far in the back. So I really didn't see the point of this. I think they're kind of making it too easy or really not interesting enough from a fan uh, point of view to, to watch the storyline develop in the race. Uh, as for, I think who could have this opportunity, who's going to be someone to watch for the poll, definitely will power. He's always uh, a factor for the poll and, um, this is a, a track that really suits his style, as we were saying. So if anyone can get this, he can do it. But the thing is, the challenge is you do have to win the race as well, which um, I think Will Power could do. But I'm not sure we're going to see anyone accomplish this feat. And I think there would have been a better way to make this uh, interesting. Matt, what are your thoughts on that? Well, if they're going to make it that big a deal, what they need to do instead of doing the fire six Stones fast six. I think they need to just go to like the old Super Bowl format where you just get one flying lap, you just get one chance, and I think that uh, really could shuffle up the field and put add to the pressure of that hundred thousand dollars. Now, granted, I don't think they're going to do that because there's enough criticism of single car qualifying when Formula One did it for a couple years, but uh, I think that would just sweeten the pot. But uh, it's like Tyson says that uh, there is certainly a you know, incentive to winning the pole, especially on a track where we don't know uh, how this track is going to play out. Will it be easy to overtake? Uh, will it be, you know, a track where close racing is going to be possible? Because the way the technical side of it, I think it, there's a possibility if a car is fast and qualified, they can get an early lead on those red tires or build a gap and uh, really put some distance between themselves and the field uh, to where uh, that qualifying certainly means something. Matthew, you follow, uh, as I mentioned earlier and alluded to earlier, you follow, write about, and cover Formula One quite a bit. Uh, This track was built to bring uh, uh, Formula One to the United States on a full-time basis, since the name of the track, uh, the the Circuit of Americas. Uh, It couldn't have happened to a better city. I like Austin. I really do. I've been there numerous times on business trips. And and if you like the music scene, if you like the nightlife scene, Austin is the place to, to be. But Austin houses that Formula One race. It's huge. It's huge internationally. It brings a lot of money. Formula One, there's a lot of people that travel, spend a lot of money economically. Do you, how do you think IndyCar is going to compare, one, for the fan base, uh, two, uh, for the economic impact? Why the decision to go to Austin? Because, quite frankly, if you have to, uh, if you have to be the second suitor or the second race on a track, uh, Formula One is tough act to follow, especially if, if the city of Austin is looking for the same economic and expectations from the fans and from the economic impact that Formula One brings. Why did IndyCar decide that this is where they want to race at? Well, it's not necessarily the only place with their second fiddle. I think you could say the same thing about uh, Texas Motor Speedway. I don't think people think that NASCAR is second fiddle to IndyCar as far as Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, the biggest thing, in my opinion, right now is can they keep both sides happy? Uh, Tavo Hellman, uh, the man that runs uh, Circuit of the Americas, and obviously Eddie Gossage, who was dead against this, but uh, had to be, you know, given the okay or you know, 
softened up his stance to allow this race to happen as well. So the ability for them to both keep civil and stay happy to where they can keep both of these races, which I think will be big races on the schedule on both sides of the coin, I think that's the bigger concern right now. It's not necessarily uh, whether IndyCar is playing second fiddle to another series at a certain track. I think that's already an issue at several tracks where they already run. Tyson, who is the who? I guess uh, let me word it this way: as as you go through and you just do a quick uh, scroll to the left or to the right of uh, uh, IndyCar drivers for Coda, who are you swiping right for and who are you swiping left for? And that's a reference to those that people who are single and might know what Tinder is. But you swipe right, you swipe left, you like him, you don't like him. So if you swipe right, you like him. If you swipe left, you don't like him. Who are you swiping right? Who are you swiping left for, uh, Tyson, at this race? Well, I think you're definitely always swiping right on uh, on Will Power and, and Scott Dixon, Alexander Rossi. Those are the guys that you're always going to look towards. I think at the super like, if you're if you're a Tinder person and you know that term, <laughs> the super like. Oh, he knows what the super like is. Uh oh, Tyson. I do. I do. <laughs> I well, have to admit, I do too. To go, go ahead. Yeah, that's yeah, going to have to go to Will Power for sure. He's he's the one to watch this weekend. A track like this that's so open, there's so many passing opportunities and so much uh, opportunity for showing your speed. It's definitely a, a Will Power-esque track. And I think who you're going to swipe left on this weekend uh, and is probably Honda uh, because Honda, they're, they're showing they're really struggling so far, at least with reliability issues. Um, we've seen two engine issues early in St. Pete, and then Colton Herta also blowing an engine in practice yesterday. So that's definitely a concern. And it, they're seeing those uh, early season woes. Um, and again, as we're, we keep saying, this is a high-speed racetrack. Uh, that's the last place where you want to have a reliability issue. Um, because if you have one, you could see many. So um, I think we're going to need to see, uh, for Honda, they're going to need to have a, a clean, reliable weekend where, you know, Colton heard his engine issue yesterday. That needs to be the only one for them this weekend. Matthew, uh, walk us through this track as far as where to look for trouble spots at, where, where, where the, the highlights and the lowlights are going to be for this race. We've got a few more minutes. We're talking with Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, and uh, Tyson Lautenschlager on pitroad.com calling us from up in the Toronto area. Uh, Matthew, uh, just take us a, uh, give us a, a lap around this track. Uh, and, and what it, what it is if you're inside the race car, the cockpit of, of IndyCar at, at uh, Circuit of Americas? Well, I think surviving turn one is going to be a key, just like it was at St. Pete. Because just like St. Pete, there's a funnel factor from turn one uh, all the way through to turn two where you can't run. You can run four wide through turn one, but you can't run four wide through turn two. So getting through there is going to be key, uh, you know, to the early status and surviving that and staying in one piece. Hopefully they'll be at their best behavior. As far as guys to look out for, I'd say Felix Rosenquist, if he could improve his pit stop etiquette from the lack of pit stop uh, success he had at St. Pete, I think he certainly could be a threat. And uh, you look at the p- picture toward the 130-8500, I think the, how competitive is Kyle Kaiser going to be because he's likely going to be one of the drivers Junkos has. So how competitive he fares I think is going to play a lot. And then obviously Pato Award. We've heard a lot of good things about Pato Award. Uh, how competitive will he be? It's certainly for a Carlin team because, remember, this technically will be around the same ballpark of a car that Fernando Alonso will have for the Indy 500. So I think a lot of people interested in Alonso 
are going to be very curious to see how, say, a Pato Award does in this weekend's event. Final thoughts, guys, and we got to wrap it up, put a bowl in it until we get into our NASCAR talk. Uh, both of you guys are more than welcome to hang around for NASCAR, but we will, we're going to shift gears to that, no pun intended, here in just a moment. But final thoughts, uh, uh, Tyson, we don't have any uh, data, if you will. I don't even think they've even tested here before. So if you're a crew chief, if you're an engineer, especially if you're an engineer, um, what are you doing to get ready uh, for the race at COTA this weekend? Well, they do have a little bit of testing behind their belt uh, at COTA, but I think what you're mainly doing is you're going to try to look at at tracks that are similar to this, and they're kind of hard to find, but you're going to be looking at the data from the high-speed road courses with those winding turns. Um, The one thing I found really interesting uh, about what Matt said a few moments ago is getting through turn one at this track, because the way that I kind of see turn one, um, it's if you look at it, from a almost a supercross um, background, it's almost like turn one going in there is like the whole shot, and you're going to have 24 drivers going in, and everybody's going to be trying to gain positions. I think we could see a mess in turn one uh, tomorrow afternoon, uh, so that's certainly going to be something that I'm watching for. And, and the last thing, um, uh, Felix Rosenquist, as Matt said, we saw him do extremely well at St. Pete. There were issues on pit road, but again, here this weekend in practice, he's showing some speed. So I'll definitely be watching to see if he can uh, get rid of those those pit road miscues. And maybe even if he does have them, he's got a few weeks so he can get the kinks out and, and go at them again uh, in the next race. Matthew, final words of wisdom, sir. If Rosenquist can get his uh, annex to get on pit road, he certainly has the talent to get the job done. If he has a good qualifying position, I think uh, Felix Rosenquist uh, could steal the trophy uh, coming up on Sunday. Matthew, I appreciate you joining us. I know you had a a late night last night uh, uh, doing your broadcast stuff for March Madness, so I appreciate you uh, taking some time to get up and and join us uh, uh, today. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-M-B-U-R-Y on Twitter. Uh, again, keep in mind, noon, uh, I will be keeping an eye on some of the games. If anything big comes up, and Twitter-wise, uh, find me on Twitter under the hashtag NCAA Tourney, and uh, I'll have all the information from today and tomorrow, including uh, the action at St. Peter's or at Circuit of the Americas this weekend. So a lot to look forward to as we draw closer and closer to Indy. All right, buddy, you have yourself a good uh, uh, March Madness weekend, sir. <laughs> Anytime, Tom, and we will see what happens. Go Irish. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Uh, Matthew Ember joins us. Tyson, uh, Tyson Lunchlager. Tyson, you want to stick around for a NASCAR or you got to go? I'd like to stick around, but unfortunately I do have to uh, get going this morning, have some things to do. Um, But as always, people can follow me on Twitter at TysonLaut, L-A-U-T 23, uh, and follow On Pit Road on Twitter at On Pit Road and go to OnPitRoad.com for everything racing. Any uh, quick bullet points on NASCAR that you guys are following on onpitroad.com? So I, the one thing I'm definitely following is uh, looking ahead to this weekend. We got Martinsville, which is going to be uh, quite an insane race. I think at least on the truck series side, a lot of drivers in the truck race today uh, a lot of have a lot of inexperience, so much so that we even had a rookie practice session uh, yesterday morning, which we normally don't see. Uh, We often say uh, that the truck race at Martinsville is chaotic, and we don't usually actually see it, but I think today might actually be the day where we could see caution after caution after caution. So that'll be something I'm watching for today. All right, Tyson, you have yourself a, a good race weekend, and we'll catch up with you soon. Great. Sounds good. Thanks, Tom.
Thank you. Tyson Montslager on pitroad.com joins us. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor and all-around balanced contributor. My name is Tom Mark Vassell, Presidente. We're going to take a break, come back and talk some NASCAR, and uh, then we're going to get back into the March Madness right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about it. 
All right, and welcome back to The Balance. One hour in the books. Thank you to Matthew Embry, WSBT, and South Bend, official balance contributor for IndyCar, college football, college basketball. It is March Madness. We are taking a break from the madness right now to get into some uh, NASCAR talk, and we also did some IndyCar talk, uh, certainly uh, up at the uh, uh, Circuit of Americas in Austin. Uh, first time they've ever been there, the Formula One track IndyCar this weekend. Uh, and, of course, uh, now it's time to get into the NASCAR segment with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. The West Coast swing is over, and we're rolling into the favorite short track I know of the of, of Steve's. Uh, certainly enjoy as well. And uh, we always make jokes about the hot dogs, but it is part of what Martinsville is. But before we get into that, uh, Steve, how are you, sir? Doing pretty good today. How about yourself? Doing all right. So your Florida State Seminoles hang on to live another day. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't honestly know whether they're gonna what the, what they're gonna do. I think I think it was interesting just to switch gears real quick. Is uh, Liberty here in Virginia were able to kick Mississippi in mm-hmm. uh, also. So I think that probably shocked a lot of people, but. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of strong teams out there still left to go. Um, if they can make it, um, I think it would probably be a Cinderella story. We've not always been as good in uh, in basketball um, as we have been in some other sports. And then again, we're not doing so well in football either these days. So um, maybe maybe this is our redemption into uh, getting. Uh, uh, um, you know, our, our sports teams back on track down there in uh, Tallahassee. I certainly hope so. I certainly <laughs> hope so. And by the way, this guy picked Liberty. That's why in the balance uh, radio group that you failed to make an appearance in, publicly shame. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm dominating, and that's because I picked a team like Liberty. So let's talk a little bit about the West Coast Swing. Give us a, a recap about that, and we'll get into the, our favorite short track, and that is Mottensville. I think the biggest stories out of the West Coast Swing is Kyle Bush winning two out of three out there, uh, getting his 200th win uh, across three NASCAR National Series out there. Uh, a couple drivers uh, probably need to up their game. I think Kevin Harvick is a driver that we've seen him go to the West Coast and uh, and, and dominate a place like Phoenix. Um, that team has yet to go to victory lane. So right now for Ford camp, it looks like Penske Racing is going to be the ones at the top. Uh, Stuart Haas Racing right behind them. I, I, I think that they're still gathering up uh, and, and trying to, uh, uh, um, you know, not only with, with the changes of the car, but the changes in, in, in the packages of these cars. It looks like Penske right now has it all put together, but I would assume and I would expect uh, Stuart Haas Racing um, to come up uh, very quickly. Uh, uh, Kevin Harvick did finish fourth out there in, in California, but, you know, again, we've seen him go to the West Coast before, and we've seen him be the dominant factor not only at a place like Las Vegas but Phoenix, and we just didn't see that out of them or out of Kevin Harvick, uh, although he ran good. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of time before we see him go to victory lane. But but right now we're talking about Penske Racing. We're talking about Kyle Busch, obviously, uh, being at the top of the points. Also getting his 200 win, two out of three races out there, plus some Xfinity and 
truck stuff that he won. So uh, I, I think he's the dominant factor in the sport right now uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing. I think, uh, you know, Martin Truex Jr., who came over from Furniture Racing, um, has, uh, you know, he, he there's some processes and some some changes that, you know, when they, when they went away from uh, Furniture Row, they were able to do a little bit of their own thing. Now they're under the JDR umbrella, and him and Colburn are kind of uh, – kind of uh, locked in the box, so to speak, and uh, I, I think that's hurt some of their runs uh, this year already, um, but I, I would think with them, they, they're eventually going to uh, figure this whole thing out in that box that they're confined to, or, or JGR has a process of working in, and, and they'll overcome some of their runs that they've had already this year. Well, let's go into uh, Martinsville. Uh, as we mentioned, certainly an awesome a uh, short track, uh, very a lot of uh, history behind Martinsville. Talk with us about Martinsville, the short track. For those that may not know anything about them, we'll get into this truck race that's coming up today uh, and some elements around that in Xfinity, and then we'll get into the uh, 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 Monster Energy Cup Series, the big boys, if you will. Well, Martinsville, the only active track still left from the original scheduled in 1949 it predates even nascar itself opening up in 1947 uh it's been a half mile bull ring here in virginia that the clay uh, clay earls and the earls family built up over the years now isc and his uh his grandson I, i'm sorry not his grandson but um uh, another family member is now the president of the track out there but it's under the isc banner it's still uh, has very close quarter racing out there. Uh, a lot of beating and banging. And just talking to Brooks, uh, the DPR director out there a couple of days ago, and you know it's just one of those tracks that that people, uh, if you haven't come to short track racing and you haven't seen short track racing in a place like Martinsville, then you have to go. The the hot dogs are are an <laughs> an addition to the spectacle that happens out there. But uh, we've seen. We've seen Truex and Logano, uh, Logano and Kenseth, Hamlin and Elliott uh, in the previous years go at it, go hard. Somebody ends up in the wall. Somebody ends up mad. And if you haven't been to a, to a race at Martinsville Speedway, then it's all the more reason to go. Well, let's get into the uh, Gander Truck Series. I still still got the camping world on my tongue. But the Gander Truck Series, uh, this afternoon at 2 o'clock, immediately after the Xfinity race, uh, this is a, a short race, if you will, a fast race, if you will. But one of the things unique, they really uh, asked for the truck drivers, as far as rookie truck drivers, to go through kind of a, a training session, if you will. Talk to us a little bit about the rookies in the truck series at Martinsville. Well, this is something that, you know, we've not really seen in the past. Um, typically, there's a rookie orientation at most of these tracks that, that drivers are mandated to attend, um, especially if it's their first time at these tracks. But to have an actual rookie uh, practice all to themselves is a little bit different. Um, but the, the thing with this is, is that the drivers are getting exponentially younger all the time. Um, Martinsville is a place that you can come to. Um, you can run under 18 years old. It used to be that you could go to a lot of these tracks and run under 18, but, you know, NASCAR has kind of clamped down on that. But as the drivers continue to get younger and their experience levels 
um, are, are more on those basic levels when they move into the truck series. And I'm not saying they're basic because they haven't been running, but it's basic in the fact that they sometimes this is their first race that they can a- enter uh, in a national series event. So they have the basic understanding. Um, I, I, we, the talent pool is getting better, but they're getting younger. And NASCAR, I think, is is kind of finally keying in on this, and we're starting to, and maybe we'll see some more rookie sessions develop, because I know a lot of times we hear from veterans out there that when they come to tracks like this, and you have a 16 or 17 year old running around these tracks, um, this particularly is their first event that they've been in a national series event, and something say ruin a veteran's day, somebody that's running for the point series. So I think it's, it's just more all the reasons that we need to have these rookie orientations and maybe these rookie practices all for themselves to allow them to go out there and get acclimated to these racetracks before they're actually out there either in practice or in a race or in qualifying or something like that or run a points contender's day. Um, but, you know, with the crop that's coming out there, we've got Tyler Ankrum out there. We've got a lot of drivers that are just uh, Raphael Lassard from Canada, that'll be in this weekend. So a lot of these drivers, um, they've not been in a truck series before, or they have limited experience in these trucks. So um, honestly, I think it's a good thing that they're doing this. And I think that I'm hoping to see this expanded into the future. Well, let's talk about today's truck race. Who are we looking for? Who are we looking at? Who's going to be strong? Who's going to be weak? And then we'll get into the Xfinity uh, race today as well. I think when you come to a place like this, you're going to have to talk about somebody like Johnny Sauter. Um, he has uh, he has shown a lot of strength on these these tracks. Uh, he Thor Sport is uh, looking to to uh, now that he's back over there with them. Uh, I, I think that he's also looking to get back into victory lane with them. Um, uh, somebody like Matt Crafton is somebody you're going to have to continue to look at. Um, this afternoon, and I mean, there's just a crop of drivers out there that, at this point, that when you start looking, uh, you really have to look more strongly at the veterans. Um, they're the ones that are going to have the, the that are going to be able to to not even control their trucks, but they're also going to be the ones that are going to stay out of the most uh, the most action in it that could potentially ruin their race today. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm really looking at somebody like a Johnny Sauter or Matt Crafton this afternoon to go to victory lane just because of their veteran status. And, and you know, Thor Sport is looking um, to get back on top of their game. I mean, they were very dominant in the fact when they were Toyota, but since they've moved over forward, um, Grant Ensling or another teammate is leading the points standings right now. But, you know, overall, I think Thor Sport is actually looking uh, to recapture some of their uh, their their spark that they had when they were in Toyota. So, yeah, and again, look at Johnny Sauter, look at Matt Crafton. We're talking with Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Let's move on over uh, to the Xfinity race, also happening today, 1 o'clock down there in Martinsville. Uh, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, Christopher Bell, Brandon Jones, Austin Cedric, Michael Annette, uh, Justin Allgaier, uh, Noah Gregson, and Ryan Sieg. And rounding out the top 10 is John Namachek. Give us a preview of what to look for in today's Xfinity race. Well, there's no Xfinity Series race today. They're off this weekend until they get back oh to my Texas God. next week. I'm so stupid. 
Well, give me a give me a rundown of what's going on in Xfinity. Anyway, see, my mind is all caught up in basketball. I, for some reason, I thought we had an Xfinity race and a truck race today at Martinsville. See, NASCAR is messing with my brain. They're jacking stuff all up. Need to go back to the way they did before and then have races on different days and at the same track. I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, Cole Custer last week in California went to Victory Lane, his first time career um, this season. Um, you know, for those guys, um, that's a step in the right direction. And um, he, in the past, he's been right on. He's he's been on the cusp of going and winning a championship. Had it not been for the fact that he wasn't entered in the homestead as a, as a championship contender a couple of years ago, but I think. As far as they're running right now, uh, Cole Custer um, locking himself at least into the playoffs right now. There's, I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to probably see some shuffling of some other drivers out there. Um, really, again, I'm just kind of impressed with the fact, I think I said it before, of Ryan Seek, uh, a driver that we've never talked about. I mean, we rarely ever talk about him. We, we always consider him one of those mid-tier to back-marker teams that we just really just honestly don't talk about. But uh, he went out, he left uh, Daytona, he went out to the West Coast, um, Atlanta, West Coast, and all through there. And he, 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 right now, I mean, he's got an average finish just inside the top 10. He's been inside the top 10 pretty much every single week except for two out of the five weeks that they've ran. Um, and, and those were 11 place finishes. So, you know, that team, I've been, I continuously am impressed with them the changes that they've made over the winter. And um, I, at this point, I think even if he doesn't win a race this year, I think he's going to be a very strong contender, at least trying to uh, knock somebody else or be right there on that cuff of, of that playoff um, going into later this year. But, yeah, I just kind of continuously am impressed with him right now uh, and the changes that he, that team has made. Well, I do know there's a race in the Monster Cup Monster Cup, Monster Energy Series Cup race at Martinsville. They are competing for the uh, big grandfather clock. I do understand that, and I know we're, we're there. So Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamilton, Brad Koloski, Eric Amalala, uh, Martin Truex, Kyle Larson, Kurt Busch, and Ryan Blaney round out your top ten as they go into Martinsville. Well, you know, Ford, um, over the last uh, – about two years or so, they've they, it's, it's changed over to Ford. And prior to that, it was a lot of Chevrolet we've seen out there. We saw Jeff Gordon, uh, Jimmy Johnson. We would talk about Dale Earnhardt Jr. who won out there. Uh, but it was just kind of like Chevrolet. Every time that we go there, it was Chevrolet, Chevrolet, and Chevrolet. But three out of the last four times that we've been there, Ford has uh, captured uh, a win there. Uh, Joe Logano and, and Clint Boyer last year. Um, Clint Warrior is already on top of the board again today uh, as far as this practice here in the morning. I would look at somebody like those guys. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, you go back a year ago and Clint Warrior, everybody knows the emotional uh, uh, wind that he got there and his, uh, and his boy Cash was running down the front stretch, you know, when he was getting out the car. And, you know, I, I think everybody kind of remembers that. Um, but beyond that, you know, that was kind of the spark for the year for those guys. Um, 
I think this is an uh, again, it's an opportunity for him. I think uh, I think uh, you know Clint Border needs needs another good run. I think this is the place that's going to work to his favor. Um, but don't count out again uh, uh, Joey Logano at all. And really, honestly, you know, I would say that you know, even though that Jimmy Johnson didn't win all last year, um, Jim Johnson has how many wins out there? I think seven or eight wins, something like that, at, at Martinsville Speedway. So. Even though that they haven't been the best team, it's the best team at all over the last you know twelve eighteen months or so, something like that. Didn't win last year. Um, yeah, you gotta watch, you watch Jimmy Johnson. Um, he's gonna continue to be a threat uh, at places like Martinsville and Dover and places like that. On some, they continue to be his strong um, tracks. Um, and, and even though that again he hasn't had the best career in the last twelve eighteen months or so. Um, those continue to be very strong tracks for him. But, you know, if you have to look at somebody outside of those top drivers right now of Logano and Harvick and Kyle Busch and things like that, I would look at definitely at Jimmy Johnson like that. Um, you know, and Hendrick is, a, Hendrick is a team right now that, you know, they, they've not been to victory lane in, in recent memory. So, uh, again, they, they're another team that's trying to capture some of uh, some that they've lost over the last year or so. And uh, granted, they have a very uh, young team with uh, Alex Bowman, William Byron over there, Chase Elliott. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is the veteran over there with the veteran status, with all the knowledge. Um, I, I, I think that they, they they need some they need some wins and they need to to, to try to change it around. Um, and I think Jimmy Johnson could be the driver that does, and especially at a place like Barnesville. Talk a little bit about what we what we know to be a uh, lug nut fine, if you will. So uh, Denny Hamlin's crew chief gets uh, uh, gets a, a fine for the nut. <laughs> what are we What are we doing here? Well, you know, this is uh, this is something that we just it continues to be an issue. Lug nuts are coming loose. Um, it's really overall, it's not. In the grand scheme of things, it isn't something that's going to ruin somebody's day unless the fact that multiple lug nuts are loose on a vehicle. Um, Joe Gibbs Racing has been tagged for this. Right? I mean, we, we kind of see that, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing has been tagged for multiple different violations for various different things coming out of the, to the car, but no lug nuts and things like that. But as far as Danny Hamlin, say, it's not really going to ruin his day. It's not going to ruin their year at this point. Um you know, especially after captioning Daytona 500 win. Well, let's, uh, you know, just some final thoughts here. Uh, Martinsville, as you mentioned, uh, known uh, short track, known for some uh, bumping and rubbing and just some good old-fashioned racing. But it's also a place where uh, people begin to uh, express their frustration, begin to play the get-back game from other races. Uh, Are we going to see a lot of high-tension uh, this weekend at Martinsville, are we going to see uh, the beginning of a lot of uh, uh, get you back uh, type racing there at Martinsville? Well, yeah, I think it's indicative of a place like Martinsville. Uh, it's just a place that these drivers, they've been out for three, four, five weeks already on the road. Um, you know, they, they've been at tracks where, um, you know, it's not, exactly appropriate to go and try and get somebody back 
uh, Martinsville is just kind of that track that, you know, you, you can go and run into somebody and ruin their day, uh, but not really do any kind of damage to either them or their car. And I think it's just indicative of the fact that we've seen this over the years. Um, we saw Kendrick and Logano do this. We, we saw Hamlin and Elliot go after it on pit road after a race. Um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those tracks that it just, it's so reminiscent of the fact of short track Saturday night racing or Friday night racing. And, and these are just, the tempers are going to flare 500 laps around a place like Martinsville. There's nowhere to go. You have no opportunity to get away from another driver or another car. And especially if you've got somebody that's angry at you, you just really have nowhere to go. So it's just, again, it's just indicative of the fact. I think it will, as in the past, we will continue to see these events come up. NASCAR wants these drivers to show emotion. They want these drivers to show, um, you know, that type of hard-knuckle racing that, that has been accompanied at places like Martinsville, Bristol, and Richmond over the years. And it's just, again, it's short track season, and, by the time you get through some of these races, you're going to be angry at somebody. They, it's just it's just a fact, and I think we, we will see it at some point in the race tomorrow. We will probably see it in the race today. Um, there's no doubt in my mind who that's going to be. We don't know, but it always makes for a good storyline when somebody does go out there and, and expresses their frustration and their anger at another driver and, uh, you know, they they go out there and bump and grind and uh, put the chrome horns at somebody and spin them around and you know it's just it's just good old short track racing. Well, and that's one of the reasons that that we love NASCAR. And certainly, there in Martinsville has one of the most coveted trophies in NASCAR, and that is a good old fashioned grandfather clock that uh, uh, is uh, a, a trophy that all drivers would like to have, and many drivers have multiple clocks. Uh, but who gets the clock this weekend? Oh, ah. <laughs> Um, look, you know, right now, Clint Boyer seems to be very fast. Um, I'm going to say let's go with Clint Boyer for winning. And the dark horse, we're going to go with with Jimmy Johnson um, going back to Victor Delaney. Well, Jimmy Johnson needs some wins. And we we, uh, have seen him struggle over the last couple of years. I know he's still at it. And we believe he's still got some gas tank, no pun intended. Uh, pun intended. So I'll, I'll go uh, go along with those uh, those lines, if if you will. Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest is joined to talk with us a little bit about NASCAR uh, in a short track and, and any final words of wisdom uh, that, that you have for us going into this weekend at Martinsville. Watch the race. It's going to be fun, beating and banging. And if you like short track racing and we need more of it, watch. It, and if you can, go buy a ticket and actually go and watch it up close. Absolutely. That's the best way to do it. And I, I, I love going to NASCAR and IndyCar, for that matter. If you, if you can at all, definitely go to the races. It's March Madness weekend. Uh, I mean, any, any thoughts on, on who, who do you got for your Final Four and your championship? Oh, Lord. Um, 
I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Duke to go at it, and for the final four, I'm gonna pick Duke. Uh, let's just throw Florida State in there because you know I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna think you know they're gonna do it. Uh, let's see who else. Um, maybe UNC and Kentucky. Not a bad pick. A lot of people, I think, would want to see that Duke and UNC matchup. Uh, I think you're you're forgetting about somebody who I believe is going to be the champion at Hubso. If they if they lose, it's going to bust a couple of my brackets all, all the heck. Uh, but they're right there in your backyard. Uh, Virginia, duh. Uh, the Cavaliers, <laughs> duh. They're going to win the championship. Uh, how could you totally exclude them? Uh, do you, do you have some uh, uh, hard feelings from last year? <laughs> Um, well, you know, it, it, it's kind of like this. You, you live in Virginia all your life. You grow up in Virginia. Everybody goes to Virginia Tech or UVA, and everybody tells you you got to pick a side. It's like in North Carolina. you got to pick a side, UNC, Duke, somebody down right. there. It, I think it's just indicative, and I, I just grew up with, you know, a lot of people around here saying, oh, you got to like Virginia. Oh, you don't like Virginia Tech. No, I like Florida State just because I don't like either one of them, and I'm tired of hearing about them, so – uh, you know, as far as Virginia, good luck to them. But you know, I, I don't have any hard feelings or feel sad if they they're knocked out. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, you have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Okay, you take care. Talk soon. All right. Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor, chiming in on some March Madness there at the end. He lives in Virginia, uh, and I tell you what, I've got I've got them in one of the the, the balance bracket, uh, one that I'm dominating. And right now, I am the current leader. Of course, that can all change here in a few hours, but Virginia remains intact. We're going to be talking more March Madness uh, with Mo from the BS Sports Show, and we're going to break down the the brackets in today's games and the action. It's March Madness, and we're going to keep the madness going right here on the Balance Radio Network. We'll be right back. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. 
makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm laughing. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. minutes in the book man i had time flies when you're having fun thanks to matthew embry wsvt up of south bend uh, breaking down some uh march madness sports in the first half hour sticking around with us with tyson lautzlager uh talking some indy cars circuit up americas in austin first time they've been there and then just now steve wilson our official nascar contributor breaking down the west coast swing and now they're back and uh, they're at the short track in Martinsville uh, this weekend, and Infinity taking the series off. But it is March Madness, and it doesn't get any better than this week. And joining us now to help us break down the bra- brackets and who's still intact and who's busted and what's going to happen today, Mo from the BS Sports Show. This is like the third Christmas. I'm just saying you got Christmas in Indianapolis 500 and March Madness, and not necessarily in that order. How are you, sir? Good, but I have a bone to pick with you today to start off. Oh, my goodness. Go right ahead. Get your bone ready. <laughs> so you're, you're, <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. Uh, no, you are, you, are not, you are not allowed to say you're dominating the, uh, our, uh, our bracket challenge because you filled out more than one bracket. So, like, if you did that at a radio station, you'd be, you, would be, you would be disqualified. And for the guy who did fill out two at a radio station, if he ever talks about mm-hmm. his bracket – uh, he automatically is disqualified and has to be our uh, our uh, slave basically for a week. So you can't fill out more than one and say you're dominating. I can fill out one and say I suck, but you can't fill out hey, you one filled out, and say you're dominating. You, you filled out two as well. And so, and I, and, and full no, disclosure, the other I, I one's not doing one. so good. You only filled out one? Oh, no, I thought I only you filled out two. Mm-hmm. Nope, I only did one. Oh. That's a, that's a, I only do right. one every year. All right. All right, All now right. we can move on. I feel better now. Now we can now move we can on. Move on. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm dominating. Number one, I'm the host, and uh, it's, it's my bracket. <laughs> but let's talk about some of the, right. the action. It's been exciting all, all week. I mean, we've been opening up presents since Thursday. We're going to continue to do it all weekend. Uh, but uh, l- let's talk a little bit about some of the big upsets. Obviously, one of the biggest upsets, if you will, it, I think it's an upset anyway, and that was number 10 seed upsetting the number seven seed and that's obviously minnesota and louisville a lot of people didn't like that matchup because of the patino uh uh, relationship there didn't seem to bother him that much but minnesota came ready and prepared to play louisville and uh, louisville couldn't get it done against minnesota michigan state big matchup uh big 10 matchup in in the tournament but what are your thoughts about that minnesota louisville game well, man, I picked Minnesota in that game just because after watching Louisville this year, you know, with all the all the changes and things they've had, uh, I, I didn't think that they would be ready to play. It's been a rough year for them. Yeah, you know, they uh, 
they still pulled themselves a you know a decent seed. But I, I just I didn't feel like this was the the game they were ready to play. And you know Minnesota's played very well this year under Richard Pitino. You know he's really got this uh, program moving moving in the right direction. So. Uh, you know, I think like it was to you, it, to me, it wasn't really that big of an upset because I thought Minnesota was the better team. But when you look at name value, you're right. It, it is an upset just in the eyes of people. And, and, and that's the thing, too, Tom, when you're doing these brackets like this, people who are casual fans who fill them out, they recognize the name Louisville and they're like, yeah, they're good. And, and I think a lot of times they'll pick off just, you know, name value that they recognize. So sometimes that's where you can pick up games like this if you can predict these uh these close, uh, these upsets, uh, you know, it's a way to really move forward in your bracket challenge because people a lot of times will just pick on name value alone. They don't, they don't know the lesser teams that well. Well, and, and that's a lot of times why I say, you know, maybe those people that know a lot about basketball don't do as well as those people who don't know a lot about basketball. They might just pick because they like the mascot or the team uniforms. They, they, they do well because a lot of times there are these upsets. Another upset that happened, number 12, Murray State School, no pun intended, uh, Mar- Marquette uh, in the 83-64 victory. You know, really, I think two words would explain this. Well, actually, uh, only one, and that's uh, J.A. Uh, 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 Morton, 17 points, 16 assists, 11 rebounds, uh, and uh, formed the, the triple double in the, the first triple double in the tournament since Michigan State's Draymond Green uh, did that a few years back. So, no surprise there that when you have a player like that putting up those kind of numbers, that you're able to beat a team like Marquette. Talk with us a little bit about that upset and really what does it mean to the tournament overall. You know, I think, uh, you know, there's another team. It's funny, these last two teams we talked about have been teams that Indiana beat this year, uh, you know, some of their bigger wins. But, uh, you know, I think this performance by him in this tournament, and if it continues on like this, you could see him, you know, jump ahead of R.J. Barrett, maybe be the number two overall draft pick in the NBA draft. This kid's special, man. He's got... uh, He's got a lot of skills. He can he can shoot all over the floor. He can he can create. He can pass. Obviously, he can rebound, uh, and he's great on the defensive end too. So, uh, you know, it minus a an amazing tournament from R.J. Barrett. We've talked about Zion and R.J. going one two all year long, but it, it's very good possibility that he could leapfrog uh, R.J. Barrett to be the number two pick in the draft. Uh, Murray State's uh, they're one of those teams that you, you know you look at these twelve five matchups every year, and a lot of times you look at the twelve and go, man, they're better than the twelve, but. Uh, Murray State got slotted there, and they're a lot of fun to watch. You got guys who can shoot the ball, they got guys who can score, and uh, they're not afraid to go out there and, and play on the defensive end too. They're not just a running team. So, uh, you know, Marquette again, they're they're a team that uh, that benefited from you know somewhat easy conference play, uh, but you know it's uh, this Murray State team, man. They're they're tried and true. They're they're a, they're definitely a fun Cinderella that we could be talking about next weekend again. Oh, or, or we might be talking about Liberty, but uh, <laughs> or, or Wolf right. on, or, or <laughs> but uh, you know another big upset this uh, week that we saw was number ten Florida upsetting the number seven uh, Nevada uh, Wolfpack has seventy to, to sixty one. Uh, I mean the Florida defense has spoken and just basically stepped up and said, uh, "Not here, not now. We're moving on." In Nevada, going home. Well, you know here's the thing that you look at because I think this year more than any other year. Uh, the tournament committee, the selection committee, they gave a lot of, uh, they gave better seeds and they gave a lot of respect to these mid-majors. And a lot of these mid-majors now who've gotten the higher seeds have come out and disappointed against some of these, uh, you know, uh, blue blood programs like Florida. So this could hurt uh, the mid-major standings in the years coming. You know, we saw a lot of mid-majors a lot of times stay around, you know, the the 12, the 14 seed, the maybe a nine or eight. But, uh, you know, we've seen a couple of these teams this year get higher seeds. Nevada was one of them. They're another team that, you know, 
put together a good string of wins, had had uh, had a couple of good victories throughout the year. But again, uh, you know, their conference isn't the toughest conference in the world to play in, and you get a team like Florida who plays in the SEC and, and is uh, you know battle tested all year long, uh, and then you come out and you see what happens when they're a lesser seed. Is Florida the Florida of old? No, not by any stretch of the imagination, but. Uh, you know, they're a team that's battle-tested all season long, unlike this Nevada team, and I think we saw, uh, you know, how that worked out there. You know, yesterday I uh, saw a big matchup uh, at the office. Uh, we were actually working, um, <laughs> but they, they had it. They had yeah, the right. game streamed on. Yeah, they had the game streamed on our big TVs throughout the the uh, the the office, and part of our offices have like little like lounge areas with couches and that sort of stuff, and every one of those were full during this Iowa Cincinnati game and full disclosure, our uh, HR director is a uh, Cincinnati uh, Bearcat fan. Uh, a couple of our vice presidents are Iowa fans. It got tense there for a while, but huge upset yesterday. Good to see Iowa come out on top against the Bearcats. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, HR uh, goes around firing VPs on Monday. No, I'm just kidding. But I tell you what, our <laughs> whole office erupted uh, when uh, when Cincinnati uh, went uh, went down. I don't know if Cincinnati hated that much or Iowa's loved that much, but it was a huge win for Iowa. Talk with us about the upset against the Hawkeyes over the Bearcats. Well, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, including uh, including the analysts when they did selection Sunday, were surprised that Cincinnati uh, was got that bad of a seed. I think they figured they'd be a four or a five. And then for Cincinnati to lay an egg in Columbus, of you know where they they definitely would have had the uh, the home crowd advantage. I think was just terrible. This is five years in a row now where Cincinnati has made, failed to make it out of the first weekend. Uh, you know we saw uh, you know our our team Indiana go through this a couple of years back where now they can't even make the damn tournament. But when they were, they were you know getting knocked out in the first round for a good stretch. So uh, it's frustrating to make do all that work all season long, make the tournament and get knocked out. But that's the other thing that makes this tournament great. But yeah, I think Cincinnati, where they definitely had the advantage of playing in Columbus, definitely laid an egg. And, you know, they complained about uh, – people complained about their seating, but uh, maybe maybe the selection committee got it right. But you're right, big win for Iowa. Iowa, who's been a very Jekyll and Hyde team this year, who we see win big games and win close games, but also get blown out by lesser teams. So it's a good, another good win for the Big Ten. You know, what I would consider, by, just by looking at it on paper, one of the biggest upsets uh, was came with uh, number 13 UC Irvine uh, against number four Kansas State, uh, 70 to, to 64. You know, Kansas State seemed vulnerable from the start, but let's, let's make no bones about it. UC Irvine has one of the strongest defenses in the nation, and it's no surprise to me that they were able to beat Kansas State state a lot of people thought this was a big upset and on paper it is because you have a a a lower seed uh falling to a i mean the opposite (laughs) you have the the uh, number number 13 follow uh, i mean beating the number four i'll I'll get it out um but uh, talk with us a little bit about that matchup well here's what happens a lot of times we see where these uh where these you know 13 14 15 16 they get a lead early they keep it close and then things fall apart in the second half because the momentum, uh, they can't keep it in their favor. They started making some mistakes because they realize the, uh, I think, how big uh, that the moment is. And so we see teams that have, you know, these uh, Cinderella's, you know, have uh, fall apart in the second half or fall apart, you know, in a 10-minute stretch in the second half and, and let the, uh, the higher seed take advantage. You know, we saw that uh, with a couple of teams. We, you know, we saw Gardner-Webb 
lead Virginia at the half yesterday, then they couldn't keep that momentum going like UMBC did last year against them. So I, I really credit a team like UC Irvine, and you're right, with their defense is what really kept them in that game and able to win that game in the second half just because, uh, you know, uh, the, the moment wasn't too big for them. They, they you know, went uh, with what got them there, which was their stingy defense, and it worked out for them. So you're right, Kansas State, I, I think we saw, was vulnerable, but, you know, UC Irvine – was able to show that, hey, this moment's not too big for us, and, and we can uh, we can do with, go with what got us here. You know, another big upset last night was uh, a Big Ten team getting upset by Oregon, uh, and that's the Oregon and Wisconsin. Oregon's defense and their offense, and Wisconsin was just uh, – they, they didn't really have an answer, and they, they, they weren't, never really got a whiff uh, during the game. Uh, so certainly a uh, good win for number 12, Oregon, upsetting number 5, Wisconsin. 72-54, uh, I believe Wisconsin was the first Big Ten to fall. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, what a shocker, because they've been a team uh, who's been in almost every game this year so far. Uh, you know, they're a team that uh, that uh, relies a lot on Ethan Happ, but, you know, just it, the rest of the team didn't seem to show up yesterday. Uh, and it just looked like, you know, as the game wore on, that they're a team that I don't know if they, if they just hit the wall because it was such a long, grueling season. Uh, you know, and sometimes when you're playing those close wins and, and it's, you know, a lot of your games in the Big Ten season are close games that, uh, you know, that tends to wear a team out. Plus, you know, let's not forget, Tom, that these Big Ten teams, we went to a 20-game schedule this year, which may not seem like a lot. But, you know, when you're playing, uh, you know, competition like Big Ten teams all year, you know, for two more games as opposed to playing two more cupcakes, I think it does make a difference. It's, it's a lot more grueling, uh, you know, than, than playing the cupcake teams in before your conference starts. So I think maybe those two extra games uh, maybe were an issue. But, you know, it, to see a team that good lay an egg like that uh, in the tournament is was not great last night. And, and let's be honest, they weren't just beat. They were pretty much dominated by Oregon last night. You know, for years we've always seen, if you, if you were to say, let's look at a bracket and let's figure out where our Cinderella's are going to come from. Uh, safe bet, safe like uh, – uh, prop bet, if you will, almost always you can look at that number 12 seat to be that Cinderella that emerges and really does well in the tournament. Liberty is the, that team. Uh, and I think, you know, again, because I'm superior in knowledge, I picked them uh, to beat Mississippi State in my bracket that is dominating, the one of the two. Uh, but, of course, uh, they, they, <laughs> they match up against <laughs> – <laughs> they match up against Virginia Tech, and I've got Duke and Virginia Tech. And, but I, I got Virginia Tech beating beating out Duke, and so we'll see what happens there. But Liberty has that potential in that number twelve spot. Even though I wasn't strong enough, I uh, didn't have enough strong enough intestinal fortitude to get them past this round. But history tells us I could very well be wrong. Yeah, you know, I mean, Liberty is a team that can shoot, uh, obviously, and they can shoot well. And when you get a team like that that gets hot, when it's a one-game scenario like this, that's where it becomes dangerous for any of those, you know, top seeds because a team that's shooting the daylights out of the basketball and gets hot, that's, uh, that's detrimental. You know, let's be honest, you know, probably 7 out of 10, Mississippi State takes that basketball game. But, uh, you know, Liberty is dangerous, especially from three-point range. So that'll be interesting to see them against Virginia Tech. I mean, uh, to me – I mean, obviously, the team can be upset, like I said, in this one-game scenario, but Duke just looks too good in this bracket. Uh, you know, uh, Duke-Michigan State, uh, you know, Elite Eight won't be terrible for us to have, you know, be subject to. Uh, so I like, uh, I like Liberty, and the, the, the underdogs are fun. 
Uh, you know, but you know, another underdog that uh, that we haven't talked about is is Ohio State. Surprisingly, exactly. because mm-hmm. nobody was as shocked as nobody was as shocked as I was last night. They won that basketball game because you know I have to cover them uh, where I work now in Ohio. And let's be honest, this team has no real signature wins this year other than against Indiana. Uh, they they are a team where their top player Caleb Wilson was suspended at the end of the year for weed, even though they don't want to say that's what it was for. Uh, and he's a guy who can't stay in the game a lot of times because he fouls out early because he's an emotional player. So uh, nobody was more shocked last night with the number 11 seed Ohio State beating Iowa State than I was. I, I, I work and cover them, and I didn't take them to win this first game because they have not put together a real complete game all year long. And, and them picking that up that win last night is great for the Big Ten, but it shocked the hell out of me. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm no big fan of Ohio State anyway, but it's it's no worse. When they they beat us in the tournament, and I say us, I mean IU, uh, and I really firmly believe, and that's just my prejudiced uh, uh, mind thinking, that had we beat Ohio State, we would have been there and not them. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, they still got the number one seed in the NIT, so what 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 more can you ask for, uh, right? Uh, so let's <laughs> – but you're right, that was a big win against, uh, against well, I, I, Iowa State, that's for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about the games going on today, sir. Uh, first of all, any any uh, any final things about the games that we haven't talked about that happened on Thursday and Friday, and we'll get ready for today's games. It scares me a little bit uh, how close Colgate played Tennessee. I, I you know I I have Tennessee going to the Final Four just because I didn't want to pick a bracket where it's all number one seeds going uh, to the Final Four. So I, I you know I like what I saw of Tennessee this year. I like a lot of. Uh, of uh, you know what they did on the basketball floor, they took a couple of bad losses, but you know pretty much dominated, uh, came out of nowhere and dominated the uh, SEC. So Tennessee playing Colgate to only seven point win the other day uh, scared the hell out of me. First game on tap is Maryland and LSU. Let's look at those two how they got there. Uh, Maryland barely Belmont. I had Belmont in a couple of my brackets uh, to to do well. Uh, Belmont has a, a player from here in Indianapolis from Perry Meridian. Uh, so I really thought Belmont could do better than they did. But nonetheless, Maryland just barely escaped. LSU barely escaped. Yale Yale would have been a great upset there. So we have two teams that barely escaped uh, to start off today's game. Yeah, and it's weird because in my bracket, if you look at my bracket, I had Yale playing Belmont. I think what hurt Belmont uh, was the fact that they had to play that play-in game I think had they not played that game, I think they beat Maryland. And obviously, I had picked Yale to beat LSU, which it's hard to watch when you pick upsets and see them that close and not come through. But here's what I like about Maryland. You know, we saw it earlier in the year when Maryland played Indiana. Indiana had a huge lead on Maryland. And Maryland can pour in a lot of points, and they can pour them in real quick. Uh, and uh, and that's what uh, this Maryland team did. You know, and they're tough on the inside. You know, I, I like Maryland's inside game a lot. Uh, LSU, you know, they're going through the issues where their coach is suspended. Uh, probably going to be fired because of the wiretaps that came out. So I think, uh, you know, I don't put, I don't put a loss on these kids at this point because when you're a team like that and you go into the tournament, now you're not playing for your head coach. I, I think that, uh, you know, emotionally, I don't know that, that they're able to use this to, to get a win. I think things are kind of in chaos when it just happened, you know, a week and a half ago, I think Maryland wins this game, but again, no fault to, uh, to LSU just because I think that it's unfair to these kids, uh, you know, what what their coach either did or didn't do, but him being suspended for the tournament, I think that sucks for them. If John Calipari and the UK Wildcats did not watch a lot of tape on Wolf, uh, Wolf, or however, however you say that, and especially with that win over Seton Hall, well, they better be put on notice that they can get beat. And if they get beat today by Wolf, 
Uh, that's huge. That's mammoth. Now, do I expect it to happen? No, but I certainly guarantee you one thing. They've prepared well for UK, maybe more than UK has prepared for them, and maybe for over the last 24 hours, they've did nothing but eat, live, and sleep tape of Wolf. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Wofford, you look at a team that can shoot the ball. Wofford, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. So if, 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 if uh, you know, they can keep it close in the second half, uh, you know, there's a good chance they could knock Kentucky off just because, you know, and they've got one player who set the uh, the the uh, NCAA record for three-point shots, uh, you know, during that game. So it's definitely a team that could be Kentucky's level as they can keep it close. Uh, Kentucky obviously can out-physical Wofford, and they can out-physical most teams uh, in college basketball. But uh, they've obviously got, you know, theoretically – more five-star talent than Wofford. I don't know if Wofford's ever seen a five-star player, but man, oh, man, can they shoot the basketball, and, and they can shoot it well. So if they keep it close, Tom, make sure that you tune in for the end of that game because it could be real fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, coming up also today, uh, this, this evening, is Florida against Michigan. I got my, my bracket at the office um, where they're going to give away $100 if you win. I got Michigan winning it all. Nice. Yeah. 175 and 50. So if you're in the first three, you're going to get a little coinage. Uh, I got Michigan, and you were only allowed to do one bracket, by the way. <laughs> I got <laughs> I got Michigan going all the way uh, to the championship in that particular bracket. So I got to root for them against the Gators. But I tell you what, I saw like I, like we talked about earlier, we saw uh, Florida create an upset. I don't think they got enough to do it for Michigan, uh, but uh, Florida and Michigan today. Well, here's what concerns me about Michigan. You know, they dominated the Big Ten through for you know three fourths of the, of the season, but man, they really took their foot off the gas at the end of the year. You know, took, taking a couple of bad losses, including to uh, to Rutgers. Uh, you know, losing the Big Ten tournament to Michigan State. But uh, you know, I just it, it concerns me how much they took their foot off the gas at the end of the year. But there's one thing that John Beeline knows, Tom, and and I and I think the same reason that I put them in uh, in the Final Four is that he knows how to get to the Final Four into the championship game. That's one thing he does. And there's very rarely a better coach on the basketball floor than John Beeline. Uh, now, if he could figure out how to recruit better, you know, if he could recruit how Coach K and, and how John Collar Perry does, Michigan could be a force for years because this guy can coach. Um, I think Michigan wins this basketball game, but, again, it, it concerns me uh, about how bad they played towards the end of the year. But uh, hopefully they pull it together today and, and they knock off number 10 Florida. Two teams that are firing on all cylinders uh, meet up the, this evening. And, of course, we talk, we've talked about both of them today, and that's Murray State and Florida State. This could be a, a Cinderella, beginning of a Cinderella on the run. Uh, I don't know at what point do you call them a Cinderella, if they get to the Elite Eight or if they get to the Final Four. Uh, but uh, certainly if they beat Florida State, we're going to start having the conversation about Murray uh, being a Cinderella. We are, but, you know, I gained a lot of respect watching Florida State against Duke uh, in the ACC championship game. They, uh, they are a tough team, man, and, and they can do it all. They can, they can do it inside, outside. They play good defense. Uh, you know, they've got a couple of kids uh, that play on the front line that are just, you know, fantastic basketball players, tough, strong. And I think that that could be the advantage uh, against Murray State today. Uh, granted, you know, they've got a lottery pick at Murray State uh, who can do it all, as we saw with the triple-double the other day. But I, I think the inside I think the inside game of Florida State uh, could dominate it. You know, a lot of times we look at offensive rebounds for a team who wins a basketball game, and very rarely does a team who doesn't dominate the offensive board win a basketball game. So I do like the physical presence of Florida State on the inside. 
But to me, this game uh, is a toss-up at this point. Well, we keep playing basketball all day long. I tell you again, again uh, you just get, get get up early and go to bed late on Thursdays for Friday and March Madness in uh, in rounds one and two. Uh, Baylor beat a very good uh, Syracuse uh, and uh, Jim Boheim's team, and uh, uh, certainly uh, I, I I don't know how much that that accident actually affected his play, uh, coaching, and mental status, but I would say not much at all. But at the same time. Uh, Baylor was able to find a way to beat Syracuse. Now they're they're playing Gonzaga, and and I've got Gonzaga going to the Final Four, and I know a lot of people do. You know, a lot of people even have them in the championship game. The Bulldogs are are, are the real deal, and we know uh, these the Gonzaga very we're very familiar with them in in the month of March. But you got to give credit for the Baylor Bears playing a very uh, playing a pretty good Syracuse Orange uh, to to get in a spot to play Gonzaga. If they knock Gonzaga off, that's a bracket buster in 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 biblical proportions. But Baylor Bears are a good team. Yeah, they are a good team. But it, you know, just like with John Beeline in Michigan, there's very few times that Mark Few, the coach of Gonzaga, steps on the floor and the coach on the other side is a better coach than him. You know, he's one of those guys that you know. Look at uh, – he, he's like uh, a Brad Stevens, a Beller. He brought this team into prominence, uh, you know, how many years ago? You know, 12 years ago, we, I think everybody was like, well, where the hell is Gonzaga from? But, you know, now we know that school each and every year, and they're, they're a perennial powerhouse when it comes to tournament time. Uh, he's another guy who – imagine if he, if, he, if he recruited five-star athletes like some of the big schools were able to, uh, you know, Gonzaga would be, you know, damn near unstoppable. Uh, but I love Mark Few, the head coach of Gonzaga. I love the way this, this team plays. We saw them come out and do what you're supposed to do when you're a one seed. You dominated the 16, 87-49 uh, in that first game. I, 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 as good as Baylor has played, I think Gonzaga is just going to be too much for him today. So we got a Big Ten matchup in the tournament. It doesn't get any better than that, especially being a huge Big Ten guy that I am. you got two great coaches, uh, Pacino Jr., if you will, and Tom Izzo, who's been there, done that before. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I guess I have to admit, I, I enjoyed Tom Izzo pulling a Bobby Knight on the sidelines against the freshman. I believe it was a traveling call, and his name escapes me. But he caught a lot of grief because we're in this this world where where we got to we got to shield our millennial players. We got to, we've just got to, they're all snowflakes. I mean, I love seeing an old school coach coach old school ways. And as Matthew talked a little bit earlier, he didn't actually get physical with him as Bobby Knight may have, but at the same time, it was good to see a coach get in the face of a player and say, Hey, you just jacked up and you almost cost us a spot in the tournament. And that's something you're going to have to live with the rest of your life. Pay attention, get your head out of your ass, and let's play some basketball. That's really what Tom Izzo said to sum it up, because uh, I can lip read. But <laughs> any which way, what are your thoughts? Minnesota uh, against Michigan State, Tom Izzo, Patino. And, and again, what are your thoughts about uh, Tom Izzo just getting in the face? I, well, like you, I liked it. You know what I mean? I think there's a point to where you stop, but you know, sometimes you just got to freak out on somebody and, and show them how upset you are when. You know, when kids are used to being coddled so long, uh, you're right. I think it's made everybody snowflakes nowadays. I enjoyed seeing Thomas get fired up the other day. And Thomas is another curious one. As big and as long uh, and as good as the Michigan State program has been, you know, very rarely does Tom Izzo get a bunch of five-star recruits. But he continues to be uh, solid every single year. You know, I mean, it, when you look at those, those five-star recruits every year, 
Very few of them picked Michigan State. You know, we saw Caleb Swanigan a couple of years ago flip from Michigan State to Purdue. Uh, I mean, there was some behind-the-scenes stuff, obviously, went on with that. But, you know, it, it, it's funny how Tom Izzo stays so consistent every single year uh, when he's not getting the big-name players. And it, it makes you begin to wonder, you know, he's got that Nick Saban type of uh, situation where he's the king uh, of that part of Central Michigan and he can be that forever if he wants to be. But is there a point where he just gets tired and goes, you know, I, I need to do something different I, and maybe uh, take an NBA job. But uh, I, I like Richard Pitino, like I said earlier, a uh, young upstart team. It only takes one game, one bad game by Michigan State for Minnesota to move on. But I just think the experience of Tom Izzo, he's done it so long and so long at this high level and so long in the, in the, uh, in the big dance that I, I see it being a hard time for Minnesota to pick up the victory today. We got a, a really good matchup if you want to stay up tonight, and that's uh, Villanova against Purdue. Two strong teams. Purdue has obviously proved himself. Matt Painter, uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year, certainly earned that right. I'm not a Purdue fan, obviously, by association. But, hey, they're in the tournament. They're, they're from Indiana. They're the only school from Indiana in the tournament that's alive, uh, that is still playing, or it, it, that was in the tournament for that matter. So you got to give credit to Purdue and Villanova. Villanova obviously been there, done that before. Big matchup tonight between Villanova and Purdue. Yeah, Matt Painter was, uh, you know, did a good job with a team that was picked to be in the bottom half of the uh, Big Ten this year. Uh, he was Big Ten Coach of the Year, but one thing he'll never be labeled as Big Game Coach of the Year. This is a, a coach who, uh, with this Purdue team, has faltered in tons of big games over his career. Uh, and, and that's one thing that concerns me every year picking Purdue. I didn't pick Purdue to go past this round because of that. Uh, I just, I, I, it, it just seems like every time Purdue gets to that big game, things just fall apart for them. And I don't know if, if that's more to be said about Matt Painter or his players, but at some point it's got to go on the coach because it's happened consistently now for you know seven, eight, nine years. So that's what concerns me about Purdue uh, in, in this matchup. You know, Villanova obviously a much different team than they were last year when they won. Uh, the national championship. We saw him get beat by a lot of bad teams this year. Uh, but Jay Wright, uh, you know, is another guy who can win big games. And to me, that's that's my biggest concern time of this whole game, not player matchups, not, not anything. It's just the fact that Matt Payne and Purdue have faltered in big games. Obviously, I'm going to cheer for the home team, uh, even though, like you, I'm an IU fan, not a Purdue fan. But uh, I just it's hard to get behind Matt Payne and this basketball team every year because they continue to struggle in big games. Bruce Pearl – Cut it close. Cut it way too close uh, with the Auburn. Now, I've got Auburn going deep, and uh, they're matched up against a very good uh, Kansas team, and the Jayhawks are playing Jayhawk basketball. They are who we thought they were. Uh, and Bruce Pearl, very good coach. Uh, remember when he coached here in Indiana, in southern Indiana, down in Evansville at USI for a little bit. But Bruce Pearl really cut it close. Uh, way too close for comfort if I'm them. How do they get ready to beat the the Kansas Jayhawks if they can even do it? I've got them going deep, so I hope they can. But what are your thoughts? You know, it's, it's funny because I had actually picked New Mexico State in that game because with my insomnia, I got to see New Mexico State play a couple times, and you're right. They, they cut it way too close. Uh, Bruce Pearl's a fun guy. You know, it's still a team in Auburn. You know, we saw their assistant coach get nabbed in this FBI thing. Uh, there could still be some issues with Bruce Pearl uh, coming uh, from the NCAA. Uh, you know, Kansas is, a, is an interesting team. We saw them, you know, bow out uh, of the Big 12 tournament. We saw this team, you know, lose a couple of stupid games and their coach uh, where there could be some rumored issues at Kansas and some sanctions from the NCAA. We could see Bill Self on the way to coach the Chicago Bulls. Uh, at the end of the season. So uh, it's an interesting time, I think, for this Kansas basketball team. 
because I think these players and these kids also feel the uh, feel the rumors of uh, of uh, their coach possibly on the move. So uh, this is the type of, of situation you want if you're Auburn to to go against a distracted Kansas team. Uh, you know, I think obviously, like you said, Auburn's going to play much better in this basketball game. But I think that uh, that Auburn, uh, you know, can pull this out. But again, you've got you've got to not let Kansas get up on you early and get a big lead. And that's what the Jayhawks like to do. So if Auburn can keep it close, they definitely got a shot at this game, uh, especially with a possibly distracted basketball team. Well, we've only got a few more min- uh, a few more moments. There's we want to just wrap up tomorrow's game. There's all there's bracket busters written all over tomorrow's games, and we could go into each and every one of them. We look at we could, but we just don't have time. But we look at Buffalo. We look at the way Iowa played yesterday. We look at UCF could possibly beat Duke. I, I don't look for that that to happen. Uh, uh, we we look at uh, Houston again. Ohio State playing and all cylinders as well. We saw Oregon and uh, uh, as well. So there's all kinds of Really big bracket buster potential tomorrow. When you look at tomorrow's game, uh, are, do, are we going to be ripping up paper on uh, tomorrow or what? I don't think so, obviously, with Duke, just because, you know, when you look at the size that UCF has, they have their one guy that's, what, 7'7", seven, seven, uh, but I just think Zion's too big. You know, this kid's really skinny, so I, I think Duke makes their way through that one. Uh, Buffalo, Texas Tech is real interesting for me. Uh, you know, Buffalo, obviously a team that a lot of people don't know about, but uh, they're, a, they're a fantastic team. Uh, you know, being up in this neck of the woods, I get to see a lot of that conference's games. Uh, so, it's you know, they were a fun team to watch all year long. Uh, but, you know, Texas Tech uh, has been able to play some very good basketball and beat some very good teams this year. So that, that could be a very fun matchup for us uh, to see tomorrow. Uh, you know, uh, Ohio State Houston's interesting. Uh, Calvin Sampson obviously uh, has done a good job with that Houston team. But, you know, Ohio State shocked me once. Don't be surprised if they shock you again. Uh, Iowa-Tennessee could be close. Like I said, Tennessee scared me their day against Colgate. So if Iowa comes out and plays a tough basketball game, uh, there's no doubt that they have a chance to knock off Tennessee. So, yeah, there could be some times tomorrow that uh, a bunch of us could be upset. Well, we'll see what happens, and, and hopefully we all live uh, live to, to play another another week uh, next weekend. Mo from the BS Sports Show, thanks for joining us. Where can people find you? Where can you match? Pizza, sir. Uh, 93.1thefan.com and at Mo Radio Show. Also, uh, hey, no Romeo Langford today again for IU. Think he's going pro? Oh, I don't know. He's got that hurt back. I don't know <laughs> if he can make the draft. <laughs> all right, buddy. You have yourself a good weekend. Thanks, Thomas. Good to talk to you again, buddy. All right, buddy. Mo from the BS Sports Show. Love having him on. He's he's a, he he's just a, a, a been a, a part of this show for a long, long time, and love having him on and, and talking some bracket buster. My, you know what? Time flies when you're having fun. We have got to go. We have got to uh, to wrap it up and put a bow on it. Uh, I hope your brackets stay intact. We just never know, and that's part of the excitement of, of March Madness. Remember. Don't drink a drive it isn't cool. I know it's fun to get out there and go to the bars and watch the games, but use your brain. We've got Lyft. We've got Uber. Don't drink and drive. It ain't cool. My name is Sal Marquis, El Presidente. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday. I'm out of here. Deuces. Say la vis.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.